Free Christian Church, what a great day. I like even a little bit of clouds kind of helps us up here. It's beautiful. Praise God. Um, great time to worship. Thank you, musicians. Um, working hard. Been here all morning. Oh, this is good. Uh, kicking up the long tradition of our church to have a, a rally day and accompanying picnic and uh, just to kick off a new season of ministry, a new academic year, kicking off a new football season, professional football kicking off today. My football career was very brief. I played uh, my freshman and sophomore years of high school. My freshman year, uh, it was actually still in the junior high. Ninth grade was still in the junior high in our town. And I signed up for the football team. I'd never played tackle football before, but I figured, you know, I was a pretty big ninth grader and thought I'd give it a chance. And I was a starter. I was, uh, and I remember the very first play. And we had, had very little preseason in uh, junior high. And so I, I suited up and... I, first game, it was the first play from scrimmage, and I was on the defensive line, and I knew all I have to do is get separation from my uh, whoever's trying to block me, and then fill the gap and tackle the guy with the ball. No problem. So I line up, and in in this, this uh, junior high from across town, they line up in this monster of a kid right in front of me. And when you're on a lineman, your faces are, are maybe you know, just inches apart. And this guy gets down, and I'm down in my stance, and I look him in the eye, and I, and I saw, that's my cousin Matt. I know this guy. And then what happened next is a little blurry. The ball was snapped. My cousin Matty hit me so hard, I just crumpled to the ground. He, he flattened me right over, pancaked me. And I don't know what happened in the play. I think they ran the ball over my crumpled body for a gain of maybe six, eight yards. I stood up and I thought, I'm not sure I'm gonna survive. I didn't realize how hard Cousin Manny can hit. I, I didn't realize the strength of my enemy. Our spiritual lives can be just like that, where we perhaps underestimate the battle, the schemes of our enemy. A life of faith is a life in a battlefield. And sometimes we're naive about it, and we uh, don't think about it, or we ignore it. But when people come to faith in Christ, they start to experience it. And they think, whoa, I didn't realize it was going to be hard like this. I didn't realize the other side was going to hit quite so hard, or not play fair. The attack that we experience as people of faith can come in different forms. We experience it in different ways. It can come in the form of accusation or slander against us. It can come in the form of temptation. It can come in the form of lies, we believe. It can come in the form of conflict with people. We're, we're surprised sometimes at how much we can feel attacked. But the reality is this. Beneath what you consider normal life, uh, underneath and above all of that is an unseen battle that is raging. And the battle impacts us, and we need to defend ourselves. We need to be ready for it. Uh, we're finishing up today. For those who have been journeying with the church uh, these last uh, couple months through the summer, we've been studying the letter to the Ephesians that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young church. And he wants them, and he wants us as we study this letter and as we understand it as God's word to us, to not be naive about the enemy, about spiritual battle, and the, and the need to really defend ourselves. And so many of you out there, you've experienced this. You're people of faith. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you've felt those attacks at times. For you this morning, I'd hope this is a, a sort of a, a rally call, kind of a, a time to recommit to the battle, 
to really face this season ready uh, for what God has for you and ready to defend against what the enemy has. I know that there's uh, many of you here today who are just visiting. This might, these kind of ideas might be strange to you or new to you. For you, I want you to understand that you can have faith too. And a lot of times we, ne- we may not experience these spiritual battles because we're just kind of spiritually disengaged. And you can engage in this. You can experience this. And uh, this is a great place to explore this idea. My friend Peter this week, he said, you know, we're going to be at Rolling Ridge. It's kind of like a battlefield. You look around like, what's, we could actually have a battle here. Of course, this team would win because there's so many of us. But you kind of, out in a space like this to think of some of these battle ideas, it's just a great place. So let's pray as we, as we look at this. So, Father, I thank you for these people here, uh, for an opportunity to gather in your name, to worship you, to enjoy your world that you created, the beauty of it. Uh, just the the beauty of family and fellowship and of of nature, Lord. And so we give you the glory. We pray that during this time you'd protect us, that you would teach us and show us what you want us to see, Lord. Help us to respond to you in obedience. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I want to look at two things, the enemy and then the equipment that we have to fight the enemy. So first of all, the enemy. Now, the enemy is not flesh and blood. Verse 12 in our text says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against other people. Now, other people may hurt you. You may have had friends who've hurt you or family members or a co-worker who has hurted you. Those people are not the enemy. The enemy is also not the systems of our world. It's not the political systems of our world. People say, you know, the the ultra right wing, that's the enemy. Or it's the radical left, that's the enemy. Those systems are not the enemy. The enemy may use people. The enemy may use the systems of our world. But above and beyond those things is a very real enemy. The enemy is the devil and his demons. And the devil is real. We we know, for for those who follow Jesus Christ, you know that the enemy is real. You've... You felt those attacks. Again, if you're disconnected from God and disconnected from spiritual things, maybe this sounds strange to you. But the same way you used to have a, um, if you have any fruit trees in your yard, we had this great, in our house in Methuen, we had this pear tree. And it would give pears every other year. And every other year, there would be just swarms of bees and insects. They would attack the fruit. But on the year where there's no fruit, there's no attack. Because it goes after the fruit. And when we desire to live fruitful lives of faith, we tend to see more of that attack against us. And honestly, it's not that hard to believe. We all believe evil exists, right? Today is uh, 9-11. We remember 21 years ago, uh, the terrible terrorist attacks uh, killed many civilians and first responders. And you just, we see things in our world that are just plain evil. And to believe that there's a great power of evil around that is, can be easy to believe. You know, we can oppose God as humans, we can believe, too, there is a, high, a higher power that opposes God. Now, we don't give the devil all the credit. We fail. We have our own, uh, what the Bible calls our flesh, our sinful nature. So we contribute to the evil of the world. And, and yes, we, we live in a very broken world where generations of evil can impact us. But, again, above and beyond that, there is also an enemy of God who seeks to attack. In Hebrew, his name is Satan, which means the adversary or the enemy. In Greek, it is uh, the devil, 
which means slanderer or accuser. The enemy is also sometimes called the evil one in the text that was read for us by Kathy. It, it talks about the evil one. We, we prayed together the Lord's Prayer. Lord, deliver us from evil. Literally, it's the evil one is, is what that means. Deliver us from the evil one, the one who corrupts. God creates the, the enemy wants to corrupt that, wants to spoil that. The enemy wants to take everything good that God has designed and make it bad and make it evil. But as we think about our enemy, we remember that God has the power. Our text starts off, be strong in his mighty power. The devil has all these schemes and ways to attack, but we stand under the power of God. Uh, but all of the devil's schemes are just opposite to God's way. So, so far in this letter, uh, this again, the Apostle Paul is writing to these young Christians in the city of Ephesus, in the area of Asia Minor, in the first century. And he, he was reminding them that God has saved them. He's making them new. So if that's what God is doing, the enemy wants to destroy what God is making. He's reminded these people that God has broken down the walls that divide us from other people of different races and ethnicities and backgrounds. And what the devil wants to do is rebuild those walls. God intends for his people, they've been taught to live in harmony with one another, to live in unity. The enemy wants to divide people. God wants people to have purity of thought and action in life. The enemy wants to sow seeds of temptation and sin. So what do we do? We put on God's armor. Therefore, as the text says, verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand and stand firm then. You notice the word stand over and over. We live in a world where people, even just to get up in the morning and just stand is difficult. People who are just crippled by anxiety and fear and depression and, and people for just different reasons are just kind of wandering through life. They don't feel firm. They don't feel that they are standing. We can feel wobbly. And when we are in that kind of wobbly, unsteady place, the enemy can attack us. But we don't have to be that way. We don't have to be easy targets. We can endure. We can persevere if we put this on. We need to remember that our enemy is an intimidator. Our, en our enemy is like a dog, but a dog on a chain. So that dog can snap that chain tight. That dog can bark at you, snarl at you, snap at you. But as long as you don't go inside the radius of the chain where you get eaten alive, you keep distance. And you, it's just all intimidation. That enemy cannot get you, only can scare you, only can frighten you, only can lie to you. The enemy wants you to doubt God's love and doubt God's goodness and doubt his leading, doubt his forgiveness, all those things. We don't have to pay attention to it. We can arm ourselves and be ready for that. And the description here is like a Roman soldier. Now, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, he knew he had met a lot of soldiers. He might have literally been chained to a Roman soldier while he's writing this letter because he was under house arrest in Rome. That soldier probably wasn't in full armor, but, but could have been, I don't know. Uh, so he's familiar with Roman armor. Roman armor was very sophisticated for its day. The Roman army was very strong and had created a you know, massive empire of the known world at its time because they were innovative. They had all the right equipment. And Paul says, you need all the same equipment. So he's describing it this way. So let's take a look at the equipment here. First, we have the belt of truth. The belt is what kind of holds it all together. It goes in the center. 
And it's, it's the belt of truth. It's not the belt of the truth, which would be important, but the belt of truth. It's truthful living, honest living, living with truth and speaking with truth and with integrity. It's a life that takes off masks. The word truth, literally in, in Greek, is sort of a compound word. It's aletheia. It means without a veil or without a mask. Living a life of truth is about taking off the mask. Stop pretending and just being our real selves the way that God has created us. The way God is forming and shaping us. And we don't have to play the, the devil's game of just living a lie and hiding our shame and our guilt. We can be open and honest with ourselves and with people around us and with God. And that brings great spiritual health to us. Not just mental health, but the spiritual health of living a life of truth. So we wear the belt of truth. Secondly, the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness. This is the metal plate that guards all the vital organs. Righteousness is right living. It's, it's living right with God and living right with other people. The big problem with righteous living is that it's very hard. And we fail. In fact, scripture says there is no one righteous. No, not one. But we thank God. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he lived the perfect life that we have so much trouble living. That we could never live. And all of the unrighteousness that we have, all of our sin, goes on Jesus. On the cross, Jesus took our sin and our unrighteousness on himself. And he exchanges that. His sin, our sin, to him for his righteousness to us. We wear, the armor we wear is his righteousness, not our own. And he makes us righteous. And when we've been forgiven like that, and when we've been given this just beautiful status that we didn't deserve, it propels us to a life of love and good deeds and living truly right. And when we fall short, we seek his grace again and we press forward with his righteousness as our breastplate. So many people, and perhaps you're one of them, you know, raised in faith traditions where you've just been made to feel so guilty. That you're just a failure. You're not good enough. You just need to try harder. And God said, look, I know you fail. I know you fall short, but I'm going to provide you my righteousness so that you can walk around not guilty, not motivated by shame, but motivated by my goodness to you. And that's how we live. The third piece of armor is shoes. Shoes are very important. The, Romans, the Roman army and the Roman soldiers are some of the first to wear shoes in combat. Because they wore shoes, they were able to travel great distances. They were able to go on long marches and surprise their enemies because they covered more ground than their enemies thought was possible. They were able to sneak attack. Um, the, this is an image for us, if we have shoes on, we're to be in motion. We're to be people who have a, a destination, a purpose. We need to know where we're going in life. Everybody needs that. Too many people wander through life without a purpose. We need to know when we get up in the morning, what is my purpose? What, what is my ultimate destination? What am I working towards? More than just you know, to make a living for my family or if you're a student, just to you know, get my degree. Like, what's your ultimate purpose? And here, the shoes of the gospel of peace tell us our purpose. The, the word gospel just means good news. It means that when you get up in the morning that you have good news of God to take with you. The good news that God loves you. The good news that Christ has come and died for you. The good news that God is with you every step and that nothing can separate you from his love. That's the good news that you bring with you. And then you live that out. You share that good news everywhere you go. It's also, it's, it's shoes of the gospel of peace. 
It's that we can have peace with God, that we can be his children, that he can guide us, that he's with us, but also the peace of God to just have that confidence, that quiet confidence that we are God's children. And that, that is the good news, and that gives us a purpose every day to go and to live, whether you live it out in big, spectacular ways or just in small, quiet ways, your life has immense purpose. And when you put those shoes on, you're ready to go. And when your shoes aren't on, you're not ready to go. And I tell to my hypothetical children that all the time. Are you ready? To, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm almost ready. No, you're not, because your shoes aren't on. And when the kids were little, it wasn't just put your shoes on. It's where's your shoes? We'd go, we'd go somewhere, and the kids would play and have a great time. And, okay, it's time to go. Put your shoes on. We'd spend 20 minutes just looking for the shoes to put them on. If your shoes aren't on, you're not ready to go. But when you are ready to go, you know that your life has purpose. I mentioned earlier uh, that we have this upcoming Alpha course in our church. Alpha is a great place to explore your life and your purpose. The key, we ask a lot of questions in Alpha, the big questions about God and about life and about purpose. The key question is, is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than just the day-to-day -day life I'm living? And we believe that in faith in God through Jesus Christ, that there is much more to life. There's... Uh, there's a spiritual realities we engage. There is abundant life. There's eternal life. So I encourage you, if you're asking those kind of questions, if you're not sure your life purpose, come to Alpha, check it out uh, later this month. Go on the website, register for that. We'll feed you. We'll explore. You can check it out. You don't have to sign up for the whole thing. Just come check it out. Uh, we'd love for you to have purpose. So that's the shoes. Ready. The gospel of peace. Uh, the next piece of armor is the shield of faith. This is not a small little shield. It's uh, the big oblong shield that the Roman soldiers would have. This is the shield that you, would, you could duck behind. It covers your whole body uh, from arrows and from other projectiles. And in this case, the flaming arrows of the evil one that get shot at you. This is armor for your armor. You're wearing your armor, but you hold the shield in front of you. Faith goes in front of your righteousness, in front of the truth in front of your salvation. What are these flaming arrows that come at us? It could be accusations and lies that we believe. Lies like you're not good enough. Your life is a failure. Your life doesn't have meaning. Lies like you're unlovable. Lies that you've ruined your life or that you, you can't be forgiven of what you've done. There's all different lies that we believe. Those are flaming arrows from the enemy. Other flaming arrows might be unwanted thoughts. Thoughts of uh, just angry thoughts or lustful thoughts or disobedient you know, thoughts, all kinds of temptations. Those are some of the arrows. Thoughts that make us afraid, thoughts that make us anxious. We hold up the shield of faith and trust God and say, God, I want to trust you when these thoughts and these accusations and these lies come into my mind. And God has given us the, the shield of faith to put out those arrows. The next piece of equipment is the helmet of salvation. The helmet allows you to hold your head high. The helmet allows you to stand tall in the midst of the battle. The, the, the notion of salvation in our faith is so powerful. It's so central. Just like the helmet in football is probably your most important piece of equipment. Um, didn't stop me from getting my bell rung, so to speak. But it's so important to cover the, your, your mind and your head. Here, it's our salvation. It's that God has saved us, that God has re rescued us from a broken world. This world is broken by sin. We know that. And God has called us to a new life. 
He's saved us. He's given us eternal life. When I have that helmet of salvation on my head, I know that, I know that I'm going to live forever. I know that not even death is the end. I know that I am God's. And that helps us to stand tall. Perhaps you've never experienced that. You don't know the salvation of God. You, you're not sure maybe where you stand in that. Today could be the day of salvation for you. This helmet of salvation is available to everyone here. I would love to pray with you today that you might experience that. The last piece of equipment here is the sword of the spirit. This is God's word. We use this to fight back. Just like Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he spoke the words of scripture back to the enemy to overcome temptation. It's, it's, an, it's an active thing. You need to take the sword. You need to use it. You need to have it with you. You're never going to win a battle by accident or by being careless. We need to take God's sword. It's, it's his very word, the Bible. We need to be meditating on it and reading it and taking it in. And many of you know the joy of that. Uh, the Bible is not the easiest book to read. It's an ancient book. It's a very profound book. Lots of different writings from different times. We, we do gather as a church in small groups to study scripture together. We can help each other understand and learn and apply these truths to our lives. Uh, if you're not part of one of our small groups, there's a table over here uh, just to my right and your left. And uh, information about the groups that are running right now. We've got a lot of groups kicking off this season. Uh, our small group leaders, many of them will be wearing name tags during our picnic. So look for somebody with a name tag and ask them about their group. We'd love for you to understand and use the sword of God's spirit. And small groups is a great place to do that. So check out some of that information for sure. That's our armor. That's what we wear. That's how we protect ourselves from our enemy. So what do we do with this? What's our next step? We suit up every day. Every day you suit up. We, we suit up by the spiritual practices that we do. Primarily prayer. And in the context here, uh, prayer is the next instruction to these people. Uh, let me read verse 18 again. It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You notice the word all there. We pray sometimes, some prayers, some level of effort for some people. But the call in our lives is to pray uh, on all occasions, all prayers. Um, keep on always praying for all the people. If you get stuck in your prayer, one of the best things you can do is just pray for someone else. Here in verse, the, the teaching here in verse 19 says, Pray for me also that whenever I speak, words will be given to me, that I might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He said, if you're going to do anything, just pray for me. It was a famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, was preaching this text, and he told his congregation, he's like, if you get stuck in prayer, just pray for me. Because it's going to benefit me. And if it helps you, then great. <laughs> it's double blessing. So if you feel ever stuck in your prayer, just pray for me. And that'll bless me. And if it blesses you, praise God. But prayer is this wonderful way of reminding ourselves. I have a friend who likes to get up every day and visualize through prayer, putting on this armor, you know, putting on the helmet and the breastplate and the, the belt and the shoes and just going through each of the pieces, picking up the sword holding the shield, just visualizing through prayer that we are indeed protected for whatever comes our way on any given day. The command here is to be strong in the Lord in his mighty power 
putting on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We so many times we try to live life on our own power, my strength, my will. We ignore the enemy. We, we go about life as if there is no enemy out there to get us. That is not how the world works. When we live life trying to ignore it, not armed, um, we, we will always have a sense that something is missing, that something's just not right. The call for us, people of God, is to put on God's armor and to stand firm. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that we would be a people in this upcoming season who would every day just dress ourselves in this beautiful armor, that we would know the truth, that we would uh, receive your righteousness, that we would know that we are saved, that we would or just be protected from all of those accusations and attacks that come against us. And help us to live in such a way that gives you glory, Lord. We thank you for giving these things to us, that you are such a good God. And Lord, I pray for any of those here who have never taken up this armor, Lord, that even today, that they might trust you. Say, Lord, I, I want to engage in that. I want to enter into this realm. I want to know I want to know you, God. I want to know your truth. And I want to live my life with purpose, knowing you, Lord. And we pray blessing over this upcoming season. Um, just all the good things, all of the groups, all of the ways that we're going to gather and seek to grow and to engage in this way of life, Lord. We just pray your deep blessing over it. And above all else, Lord, be glorified. You are worthy. We pray it all in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.